0: Hello, and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast about raising smart, confident, thoughtful, black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with really interesting people about the joy and the real work of parenting. Today I am so excited to talk with my friend Erica Reed about passionate parenting. Erica is a best-selling author of two books, The Thriving Child and Shut Up and Cook, which is has healthy recipes for nourishing meals. And she's also the founder and the CEO of the health and living platform Necessité, which I will talk with her about later as well. Erica and her husband, music mogul LA Reed, have two children: Ariana, who's 19 and Addison, who's 17. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Erica! Yay! Yay!
1: (laughs) Thank you, Carol. Thank you for having me. Truly an honor to be a part of of this with you and to share all of this with you and your community. So truly, thank you to all of you, and thank you for having me and making this time and
0: putting us on your list as well. Truly an honor. Thank you. Great. Well, I'm so happy to have you here, and Really thrilled to talk with you about parenting because you are one of the most passionate and thoughtful parents I know. And in fact, oh, way way back when we met years and years and years ago, and I I know it was a long time ago because I my children were very little, and I think you only had one child. Um, we were sitting together, and you I recall very distinctly you saying to me, "I was put on this earth to be a parent. I have a baby, and this is it's clear to me now that this is what I'm supposed to do." Was that something that you always knew?
1: No, I definitely did not always know it. In fact, I was one of those, you know, gypsy souls, lost, didn't know what I wanted to do in life other than go to college and explore the world and sleep on the floor in Paris and try and make it work. That's all I knew. And I actually struggled because, you know, here it was, I had a college degree and I did not know what to do with it. And it was not until I had children where the the searching was done. It was fulfillment and I had already been doing self-help work prior to getting married and prior to having children. So when I got married and had children, I never felt like they completed me. Um, I worked on completion before I had the marriage and before I had children. It's just that when I had my first child and then became a mother and had two children it was a, a peace and a true reassurance of uh, fulfillment as to what I was called to do. And it was at that particular time in my life. Of, I do know at this point there are other things I'm supposed to be doing, but for sure back then I was lost. I had no idea whatsoever. And it wasn't until I had children, I gave it my all. I made the decision the moment I conceived that I was not going to let God down because I I realized the blessing of being able to get pregnant and to carry full term and have a baby. And so it was a commitment that I truly 100%, you know, gave. And you have moms that work. My mother worked as a single parent, full-time raising three kids, and she did the best she could by all means. For me, I was in a situation where I was very fortunate to stay at home where I did not have to feel and find the balance of work and taking care of children. I was able to really give 100% of myself mentally, physically. I was able to be present and be available. And it was just a decision that I made for me and my family and how I wanted to be as a parent.
0: Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting because even people that have those privileges of being able to stay at home um, don't always feel uh, that, they are um pursuing their their the what they are supposed to do in life and so while you have been blessed with many privileges i think that there's something more in your devotion to taking the responsibility of of parenting so seriously and in, in fact when you talk about being lost it's so interesting that being a, a, a the responsible for another human being there's nothing like that to kind of ground you in a, in a different sense of purpose <laughs>
1: At one hundred percent, I remember before I had children, you know, I was one of those I would let people borrow my clothes and, you know, take, for instance, my sister. We would share clothes. And if she ever returned anything with a hole in it or a stain or a spot, I would kind of be a little irritated. The minute I had children, that went out the door. It no longer cared about the superficial things. I finally had something outside of myself to nurture and to care. And I was really given the blessing and the opportunity to really realize what truly mattered, not that sweater, not those shoes. Honestly, it was really about what really matters and what's important and what is not.
0: So coming full circle to today, it's it, it's been manifested even in your website. One of the really wonderful aspects of your website necessité is your closet in the website in which you Offer clothing that you have, as you've said, lovingly worn for people to purchase. And how did that come about?
1: So so the closet on Necessite, some of the items are brand new, never worn, tags on, shoes in a shoe box, and some items are gently used. And it came about many years ago, living at home as a young girl in junior high school. I started working at 12 years old. I was raised by a single parent with my sisters. I wanted a little independence. I wanted to buy my own shampoos, lotion, clothes, et cetera. I didn't want to have to wait for my mother to say she could afford it or it's not in the budget this week. And I understood it, but I wanted a little bit more, you know, being able to be self-sufficient in that area. So She introduced me to consignment and it was a way at the time to earn income. And I've always been into sustainable shopping, which is, you know, items in a thrift store, a vintage store. I was always, 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 always since junior high, high school into that. So when I was working on Necessity, I said, you know, so many years I've been doing this and I've been turned away over and over again, so many times with various shelters in different states where they would say, sorry, Erica, but we cannot accept your donations today. We're full. We're at capacity. It was just so heartbreaking. It's just like, how do you tell someone no when they just want to donate and help provide clothing to women that are not as fortunate? And so I had all of these beautiful clothing, you know, from when L.A. and I first started dating to when we got married to when I had children, just accumulation over so many years. And I just didn't need all this stuff. This stuff just did not matter. It it, it was not relevant and as important. And when I was working on necessity, I said, you know what? I am going to make it available for others to be able to have luxury items and not have to pay full price for it. So I'm going to offer it at a, at a more affordable way, whether it's lowering in the price, you know, it really depends on the garment, the bag, what it is, you know, if it's brand new, it really depends. But I wanted to offer it in a way where people could have it and and make it more affordable than what it was outside of necessity.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know a little bit more about young Erica who, um, went had her first job at twelve, but <laughs> so she sounds very industrious. And <laughs> you were you said raised by a single mom, but a single mom that had a job which was really, really um impactful to your family.
1: Absolutely. So my mother did an incredible job. I, I came from a very loving home. You know, financially we were not able to do all the things that possibly we wanted to do or what we wanted to have but we never felt without. You know, my my father was not in the home, my parents divorced when I was very young and I never felt without. My mother played that role and found that that duality of being mother and father. She found that balance and it just worked. I think my upbringing and my life would have been Different and maybe not as as wonderful had my parents stayed married. I think our home our home life would have been different. But having all women in the home, it was really a beautiful experience. And my mother was a young mother. My mother got, you know, married young. She had my oldest sister at a young age. And she worked for the airlines. And for my mother, what she was able to provide for us was to be sure we saw the world. She could not give us a car when we got our license. She could not give us our own bedroom. But she gave us the world. And, and that was one of the best gifts that she provided to my sisters and I. And I know that has a lot to do with why I am who I am today, because every adult is the, the, the child from who they were as to where we are, you know, whether whether we're dealing with pain um whether we've healed from our childhood or not you know every adult is who they are from their childhood and you know you have to do the work and and I definitely did the work you know I made sure I did myself help work before I got married, before I had children. I, I was never one to say my husband completed me. When I had children, I never felt, oh, my children completed me. I was complete and fulfilled before I had them. And I think that's why I was able to take on this in the way that I did. And so my mother, she instilled in us um, independence. That was probably the biggest message. And my mother you know, she always looked good. She kept it together, regardless how she may have felt internally. She showed radiance. She showed life. She exuded that. And she had a love for it and a zest for it. And I think it trickled on to me for sure.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. No, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. So you mentioned that your father was not a part of your growing up, but he is a part of your life now. And I'm, I think the story of how that came to be is is both really heartening and really instructive for people who um, don't have particularly close relationships because of early divorce. So you, you reestablished contact with your father when you were getting married. Is that right? My
1: father, he was in and out of my life. You know, I was very in at a very young age and very aware, very connected to my mother. So I knew if I saw my mother in tears, I knew, okay. That was a child support phone call. I knew that was a something call related to my dad. Mm-hmm. And it happened, you know, not all the time, but I just eventually began to understand when it happened. I knew I would not hear from my father. So I accepted it. And yes, was it nerve wracking? Absolutely. It was frustrating, but I could not be responsible as a teenager for the adult and so I accepted it and just went on. My my mother made sure we saw my fathers in the summer, and and he was a doting dad. You know, he missed out on so much. You know, and he's you know had to deal with that on his own. But when we spent our summers with him, if it were just two weeks, you know, they were great. But then we would leave and go back to where we lived. And I was raised in Denver, so. Living in in Denver, you know, we fly to Cleveland, visit my dad on the summers. He would come maybe once, twice a year. He came for graduations, you know, for for things where duty called. Uh, And then it was just inconsistent. You know, Um, I I worked three jobs to pay my way through college. My dad would call. I can't pay college. You know, your mom. You know, it was just a lot of that. And so it was very inconsistent, and he wasn't always there. I wasn't always there. I became wiser and older. He became wiser and older. And it was not until I got engaged where I called him up and I said, Look, I just got engaged, and whatever happened between you and my mother, that is your issue. I don't hold any grudges. You know, I have no hard feelings towards you. I love you, I accept you you know, I want you to be there. I'm getting married and I'm going to have children one day. So either you will be there for them or you're not. And he's been there ever since. Mm. And, you know, he gave me away. My mother and my father gave me away. It was one of those things where, yeah, of course, some woman's probably like, ha, please. I wish my daughter would let her father who (laughs) was never there walk her down the aisle. I'm sure my mother had some of that, but my heart and my spirit was not of that. I said, you know what? Then I talked to my mother. I said, you both brought me into this world. You both are going to pass me on. But my mother will be the one to actually have that final step to hand me over to my soon-to-be husband. And that's exactly how we did it. They both escorted me down the aisle. And we were in Italy at the time, outside. So you see you know, my two parents walking me down. And I'm in the middle. And then my mother was the one to lift my veil and pass me over to my husband. Wow. And my dad's been in my life ever since, you know, and like I said, Carol, it has a lot to do with self work that I had to do and healing prior to loving and being able to love my partner, my spouse, my children. I had to do a lot of self-help work and I started on my trajectory of of this self-love, self-care very young. You know, I was I was 20 years old when I first started and I knew that I had to do the
0: work. Well, that story really is is moving for so many reasons. It, it, for you to be able to step away from your childhood and to really be the adult about it to understand that this was bigger than you and your father, it involved your future your children's your your yet unborn children's future and for you to be able to give him the gift of starting anew which um is it's it's a a big gift to a parent who has to acknowledge that they haven't been there so for you to give him that gift was big and frankly for him to be able to take it was also big because um often and and we now know that we since our children are older when your child evidence is a wisdom that y- you don't have necessarily, y- it's really harder to accept it. I mean, it, it is unfortunately, but our egos are such that it's harder when someone who you're responsible for is telling you something than that you're not doing correctly. And so for him to be able to sort of accept that gift was um, was good as well and, and really great for your your children, really great for your children.
1: I can't speak for him, but I will just try and speak a little what I what I think for him. I think that when you are given another opportunity in life, you seize the moment or you don't. And I think for him, it was another given moment to be a father and and, and take the role on as a grandfather. You know, I wasn't there as the father I would have liked to have been, but I will be there as the grandfather I'm able to be. And it's a different relationship. My dad wasn't married to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe my mother's ways kept him from there. I I don't know. Maybe, you know, who's to say? But I just knew it did not have anything to do with me. They did not marry because of me. They did not divorce because of me. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to say, look, be there or be square you will have a legacy left behind and you will be a part of them or you won't.
0: Right. No, that's great. Such a great story. I want to turn now to, um, to talk a little bit more about your parenting approach and, and your first book, the, the thriving child that you talked a lot about um, how you approached parenting and, and a phrase that you use, that I think is so good is that you you've tackled parenting challenges with intuition, backed by research. Can you briefly talk about what prompted you to to have to rely on your intuition?
1: Wait, did I say that in the book? Just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, what drove me to The Thriving Child was, here it was, I was blessed with two children. They both had food allergies, food sensitivities, environmental allergies, and just so many challenges that I was faced with as A parent, And this journey, I was so alone. This stuff was so limited, you know, early 2000s when this journey was given to us. And it's totally different than what it is today. And I was one of those, my kids did not wear diapers that were treated with chemicals. And I remember my girlfriend saying, you don't put those smell good diapers on and mm, it just smells so good in the sheets. I'm like, no. I don't want my baby's lungs inhaling those chemicals. Like, no, I don't use those diapers and I've never used them. But at any rate, so, you know, my journey and and our children's journey was long. I cried so many times, so many days and nights. I was truly alone. I didn't have a friend that I could speak to. I don't want to generalize and stereotype every doctor, but a lot of Health practitioners back then did not connect food to health challenges unless you were nursing, but I was already done nursing and now they're breaking out. They're having, you know, horrible eczema, skin issues. And because I went through my own skin issues in the nineties, which started my health journey, I knew at this point something internally is reflecting externally, and it's something they're exposed to, whether they're digesting it or inhaling it. So I, I, I knew that much just from being aware and, and exposing myself to furthering you know, the whole way of living in a healthier environment. And so our journey was so long, Carol, that I said, you know what? No one should have to go through this and feel alone. And if I could make a difference in one person's life somewhere in the world, whether they have food allergies or not, whether their children do or not, I want to create a book that is this tool to help us navigate through the role of parenting. Parenting and being a mother is the only one thing we can do that requires no certain amount of hours given to it. You don't need to have training. You do not need to have exposure, a certificate, anything you want to do, you have to have experience except for parenting. And I said, you know what? This is the biggest role we're doing, raising adults, raising children to be adults, adults where they can thrive in the world. And so I wanted to provide some type of guide from experts and my own personal experience and what worked for us and what did not work for us just so someone could feel some sense of hope and some sense of support because I did not have it. And I just felt, how are we moving forward in life? And no one's having these conversations. There's so many people that are faced with challenges. How do you navigate through life? How do you use your voice to speak up to your children's school. You know, that was one thing for me that I had to learn not to be afraid of. So I just wanted to provide something where anyone in the world would would have some type of support. And it's what I needed. And I felt like, let me try and help someone else. And so that's how it came about. It was just trying to help people where you could hear from different celebrities. Different celebrities opened up, you know, different chapters in the book and there were experts involved and you know, whether they were environmentalist expert or a pediatric care expert, just different experts involved so you could hear from them and, you know, get their insight on it.
0: I I love that you've been doing this work for so long just to try to help people be better, just get better because it's so critical. But what really interested me in both of your books is your initial intuitive understanding of the role of food and environmental conditions. And you were way ahead of your time there because you're right now, we see it much more clearly, but your intuitive understanding of that your children were reacting to food and it was hard to find out what it was, but your desire to back that up with research and data. And so you did a lot of hard work, a lot of trial and error, to try to figure out what would work best for your family, and and you you've said um, that you you worked hard to figure out how to help your children heal with food, and your kitchen became the pharmacy, and the refrigerator became the medicine cabinet. I love that because it makes so much sense. That we now know. I mean, you you did a lot of hard work to get there, but but now more people know of the importance of not only helping children avoid certain foods because they react to it, but steering children towards other foods that just help them and are healing. So can you talk a little bit about, about how you helped your children um, develop this, this relationship with food and, and particularly about um, instructing them about n- not making food their best friends?
1: <laughs> because, I mean, look, realistically, you have to look at this. If you're saying you can't have this, you know, and for me, that's how I got in the kitchen. That's how I started creating recipes in the books. That's how I added recipes in the into Thriving Child and then coming up with Shut Up and Cook. It was about showing families and, and individuals how you can still have those meals and 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 you know sustain yourself in a way that these foods worked for you without neglecting and depriving yourself of a cookie or a cupcake, you know, but there's a price to pay with it. You know, my, my, my children have outgrown the majority of their food allergies. I think that it has everything to do with how we changed what they were eating around you know we took out the poison and introduced more of the the, the positive things that were going to have a positive reaction on them it made a huge drastic difference Um, but i did not want food to be their best friend food is supposed to do one thing for us it is to nourish us it is not to be an emotional savior it is not a band-aid it is not supposed to be a quick fix Food has one intention, and that is to sustain us mentally and physically from a healthy component so we can thrive and strive in the world today. That's that's the intention of food.
0: It's very impressive that once you figured out that's what you had to do, that you were all in and you did all the research to back up that intuition that there was something that was uh, that was amiss.
1: Carol, I was desperate. And when you're desperate, you keep going.
0: Yeah. No. And, and, and even though your children may not remember it because all they can remember is just being fine and eating well, (laughs) it was definitely well worth it. That leads me to shut up and cook, which is, (laughs) which is a delightful name for a cookbook. (laughs) And, and so how did you, how did that come
1: about? It came about because at the end of thriving child, I offered recipes. They were mother's love recipes. And they were, you know, a mother's love providing meals to sustain her children. You know, and you you do not have to have children or you yourself be allergic to food or have food sensitivities, which the majority of us do have, and we're not aware of it, all of us. And so when I was working on The Thriving Child, I said, oh, I want to help someone. I want to show them how they can make a simple carrot soup. And, you know, Steam and roast Brussels sprouts, and you know, simple, easy stuff where you don't have to go to cooking school. And so, at the end of Thriving Child, I said, I got to throw recipes in. And so, we threw in some recipes, and it wasn't enough. And so, I said, I have all these recipes in me, and I didn't even realize this. And you're speaking to the girl who does not like to cook. Do you hear me? Like, I don't love cooking. What I love is creating. What I love is the challenge. What I love is formulation. I love being able to take something and creating this dish and seeing how it works. And so uh, Shut Up and Cook came about as an extension from The Thriving Child. I wanted to provide more recipes, regardless how you ate. You know, there's something, whether you eat meat, poultry, fish, if you're vegan, if you're paleo, if you're plant-based intermittent. Like it was just, here are some healthy recipes without depriving yourself. You like apple pie. I'm going to show you a great, fantastic, delicious way to have it with no butter, no dairy, no nuts, and you can cook it at home you don't have to be in the kitchen all day to do it. So it started with myself first, you know, it was like, Erica, just shut up and cook. You have every, every excuse. And I'm like, if it's me, then I'm sure there's more out there like me. I was afraid of the kitchen because it just looked like you can't create anything without pulling out so much fancy tools and this and that. And you're going to be in there all day. And, and I was like, well, I definitely am not the only one in my way. I'm sure of it, you know, and I'm sure we can all benefit from this. I'm sure I'm not the only one that wants to eat healthy, but not be in the kitchen all day.
0: that's great (laughs) really great so finally i want to ask you about um about your most current project uh, *Necessité*. um you have talked throughout this conversation about taking time to know yourself to do self-care to um taking time to focus on your own well-being the importance of well-being it 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 permeates all of your books and now it, it it is online as a website and you've said to me, our well-being is not a luxury; it's an investment. It's about seeing self-care for what it really is—a non-negotiable nécessité. And I will say two things. First of all, I I love that, and I also love that this nécessité because you and I are both francophiles, and that little French thing in there is, <laughs> is a moi chef kiss on that. It was oui oui oui. <laughs> oh, Necessité, nécessité, <laughs> <it>, Yes. <laughs> but i think parents and 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 i'm going to direct this to moms although this could be this dads could feel this way as well but being a parent and t- thinking about self-care i mean being a parent sort of requires you to put self-care to the side because the care is for some, your, your child, your child comes first. And I think we all do feel particularly when they're very little that our children come first and they have to, but it is so important to, for self-care to go hand in hand with parenting because, you know, the the joke is uh, if mommy's not happy, nobody's happy. I mean, truly (laughs) at that, that said as a joke, but if you as a mom are not, it's true, it's true. (laughs) right if if there's if something's up with you that that may or may not have anything to do with your family it's going to impact so so tell me a little bit more about your vision for necessity there i mean we talked about the sort of clothing aspect of it but but what do you want people to um to get out of it
1: i i love how you just let up like you just really led up to, to really where I am right now at this point in my life. Um, Hey, I I love it. Thanks, Carol. (laughs) So, so, you know, for, for me, I did not want to do another book. I wanted an ongoing conversation because what I found in the past, working on both The Thriving Child and Shut Up and Cook, I always had something else I wanted to say, but you're on a deadline. You had already turned in the manuscript. You can't go back and add, it's already in printing. So I did not want to do another book. I said, I want an ongoing conversation. And so with necessitate? I want people to know, you know, this is where you can come and find truth and honesty. You know, we all go through different situations. I wanted to provide something where women and people could come fi- find and shop for products that were non toxic you know things that were not going to be je- detrimental to your skin because your skin is your largest organ and you you know your your skin takes it all in and so i wanted to provide things that were going to be beneficial for for people and i wanted an ongoing conversation i wanted to provide content whether it was through readable content or video content where people could be inspired and informed and 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 get ideas and implement what works for them you know not everything's going to work for some but it was something that i wish i had had you know and i could not find that outlet for me in the online space i could not find it for my 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 children and so i said i need to provide something that offers, you know, valuable information for all of us that will benefit us as as women and women raising ourselves and our children and our family like we need support. So I wanted to create that community of support. And, you know, there was a, a producer many years ago that worked with Oprah. She came up to me and she said, you need to start a lifestyle site. And I blew it off. I said, no way. My kids are too young. I can't give what it requires. And she said, you should do it. And I think it's stuck in the back of my head. And and looking back, I, I was working on it all this time and nurturing it. The seed was planted and I just was not consistent with the watering of it. Timing was everything and timing became on my side for this. So I was able to birth it and really give to it because my children were not in the stage where they required me the same way. So I wanted to create that place where we could learn how to care for ourselves and what what is optimum health and how do you attain it? How do you achieve it? What does it look like? You know, self-care is many layers. There's many layers to self-care and and necessity has been that great space to continue this conversation for all of us. You know, we cannot properly love, give, receive care for others until we do for ourselves. You have to learn self-sufficiency, self-soothing, self-love, self-care, and it's work. You don't just wake up and put a mask on your face and use a scrub on your body and think that's it. There's layers to it, honey, and, and it's, it's practice. And, you know, so with necessity, I wanted to offer that support. And, you know, we are, aside from just being a lifestyle, healthy platform, Offering ecom, you know, it's really important that the information we provide is original. We don't look to see what anybody else is doing, and we, we come from a place of honesty, and we're very organic with it. And you know, just creating a community that's a safe space for women and and men to come and learn and grow. We all need a dose of a, a dose of daily dose. I mean, I do, you know, I I I need something to to start my my day and to get me in that positive mindset mentally so I can take on the day because we don't know what's going to be given to us. We have no idea what's going to be served on our plate as well as off of our plate. And it's very important that we start with self. And it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work. And I'm still working on being a better me, you know, in, in all areas, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best, but I'm working on becoming my best.
0: What you aren't saying, and I will, is that um, as a woman of color, you are providing um, support and information and resources to people, to those of us who are looking for that. I mean, there are lifestyle, there's lots of opportunities on the web to sort of... um, See to, to deal in in, in um, self care lifestyle and 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 in luxury, but but you are you are not only is the truth and honesty, but there is a compassion for women of all hues, which is hard to find. If anyone were to just Google Erica Reed, they'd see you in these beautiful surroundings that we know that, and it says in the article that you have put together yourself. So you have uh a a sense of an, an intuitive and a and a I'm sure well-honed sense of style that is um unique that people would want to be a part of. So I want to go back to this daily dose for a minute because I I can be a personal testimonial and I do think that this is it's critical that now we're talking about this in this weird pandemic age because the second wave after this horrible wave of illness coming from this virus, physical illness, is the the loss of mental wellness. I mean, there is we are all going to be struggling um, going forward for some time with what the impact of the way we've had to change our lives and, and the impact this virus has had on our lives with, with how it makes us feel. I mean, you know, we are... We've dealt with isolation. We've dealt with just the, the um the social nature really changing. And for those of us who are social, um, it gets even harder. I say all of that to say that I am sure I'm not alone in these days looking for ways to connect um on a level that I haven't had to previously connect with sort of how I feel and doing things consciously to make myself to make sure that I start the day feeling better enter daily dose. So when it literally, it comes into my, you know, I get so much stuff in my inbox, but it's six o'clock in the morning, my daily dose comes. And it is, it is truly just, it it can be an inspirational sentence. It can be a thought. It varies obviously from day to day. And it's a quote, uh, it's a many different quotes from many different people but i have in the short time come to rely on its authenticity and it, it will speak to me even if it's not telling me something i need to hear at this moment it makes sense to me i mean you can give the internet and find inspirational quotes everywhere but i what i have to say is that the the daily dose has it's curated so well because there's nothing um sort of clawing or um sort of uh, you know eye and role inducing and and i'm I'm one who is relatively new to this concept of of centering and being still and starting my day being still. that's not something that I have done for for um that's something I grew up grew up doing, but I felt the need to do it now and I just have to say that your daily dose I look forward to it every morning. it kind of sets me on a course either to say, oh yeah, I feel that way or huh I never thought about that so however long ago you started thinking about that, the fact that you were able to bring it now is, is really, really important. So I, on behalf of everybody else, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Look, it's, it's not a solo effort here. You know, Necessité is a collaboration and I can't do it without the great support and team of Necessité and, you know, the East coast meets the West coast and coming together at different time zones. You know, we, we do it for the love of, you know, the people, the women, you know, you all are our driving force and I don't do this alone, you know, and I love it. I'm dedicated to it. And it's, it's that third baby, you know, and You learn as you go. It's about creating the vision and manifesting what 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 was given to me to execute, you know. Um, So so thank you for being a part of Necessité and opening up your daily dose and supporting you know, the site, and you know, we, we we pray and ask that all of you will come out there and, and join the community because it's not me alone, it's all of us collectively. You know, we're on this road together, you know, whatever it is, and mental health is going to be on the rise from this, and that's why we must use this time right now to really focus on ourselves mentally and physically in a way we've never done before, because when that light gets brighter and waiting to shine on all of us. We want to be able to step and keep going in our new way and, and not have the hindrance. And we have to use this time that we're given to work on mental health because our children, especially, <laughs> they have to be given tools now. We cannot wait until we are through this. They have to be supported just like we do now. We all have to be supported. We have to be supported mentally and physically. Our children have not been around as long, so they have not had to navigate through life with challenges the way that we have. So it is our responsibilities to introduce things now to our children, to help them have coping skills mentally and physically. And today is the day to start now. Introducing calming, you know, meditative music, you know, you go to necessitate, you can find articles on there, breath work, yoga recipes what you feed yourself has every impact on you mentally and physically we have to start now you know find talk to your children connect with them see how they feel introduce to them that they start writing their feelings down you know and let them know it's okay and we are all sitting in a moment what you have where you live where you don't live where you come from where you don't come from we're all in this together we're just experiencing it differently together but self care self love mental health get going on it now for all because we are that that is what we really haven't seen from this we can miss our friends we can miss restaurants and socializing but the impact of being lonely being isolated and and all of this we have not dealt with it yet and we got to start now i'm telling you Start now, face your truth and deal with it now, because it's going to hunt us all and be another dark cloud later. If we don't start working on tools to help us get through it. Mm-hmm.
0: Erica, so well said and parents out there. I hope, I hope you take it to heart. So I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to wrap this up now as much as I love talking to you. I could go on forever. Well, thank you so much. Love this. This
1: really means so much to me that, that, You've allowed me to be in your space and, and sharing your energy and your spirit with me. Thank you tremendously. And I thank each and every single one of you out there for listening. And please feel free to reach out at Necessite. We will do our best in, in helping where we can because we cannot do this alone. And we all know we all are going to require help. If not tomorrow, we require it today. So if I'm not your support, if necessity
0: is not your support, find your support. Absolutely. So, in parting, I'm going to ask you to play a little bit of the GCP bonus round. You can't go without doing that. And I'm going to give you, I should get some music for the bonus here, round. Here like we go. My,
1: my... <laughs> oh my God, if LA heard me right now, he's saying, Really? That's your drum roll? That's your music? Okay. <laughs> She's from Denver. Don't forget. <laughs>
0: So, so two quick questions for you and the first one i'm going to give you some license on normally i ask what your favorite poem is but for you because of daily dose and you have access to so many good sayings as well so what's your favorite um saying phrase or poem
1: oh geez i have so many i'll just tell you one that's coming to mind right now make the most of yourself for that is all there is of you. That is one that comes to me right now.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's great. And that's uh, Ralph
1: Waldo Emerson. That's, that's his. That is not an Erica Reed quote. I can't take credit for that. Um, but my, my, my quote is, health is not a luxury. Healthy is not trendy. So we need to stop making it as if it is. Healthy is for all, it's not only for the 1%.
0: Absolutely. Okay, and the last question is some favorite children's books, um, either some that you grew up with or some that you remember um, reading to your kids. And if you just have titles, that's fine. Just tell me what you loved. One book that comes
1: to mind, I read it continuously to my firstborn and it's a book that speaks true to who she is today all by myself by Mercer uh, Mayer. And it was about a little porcupine, basically who could get dressed by themselves, brush their teeth, brush their hair. I think I have raised this independent uh, daughter because of this book. (laughs) book over and over again about how she can do things all by herself. And it was about eating, making your food, getting dressed, putting on your clothing. So I think I must have instilled a little bit of self-sufficient at a very young age and did not realize it until you just asked me about a book.
0: Well, and that is a wonderful thing. I'm sure she's very appreciative. Any others? Any that you remember reading to your son, or? uh yes. There was a a, a book
1: that I read to my son a lot, and it was um, a pancake book. I cannot think of, but it was a rabbit. I see the yellow book. Um, somebody makes pancakes. It, you give you give a mouse a pancake. Oh gosh, I can't think of it. I, I'm I'm gonna have to find that. I I literally still have that book, so. I can put my hand on it and give you the exact title. I'm going to tell you. I see the cover, but I cannot think of the actual title. And forgive me, author out there, that I, I I cannot get your title right.
0: Okay, so I'll make sure I put in my blog what the what the other book is. So, Erica, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, I have, oh, I've, I've absolutely loved this conversation, as I knew I would, and I hope that everyone who is listening did so as well um and if you did i hope that you will um continue to listen to our podcasts and feed and, and subscribe and rate them and share them with your friends until the next time take care and thanks for listening
1: thank you again thank you so much for having me and thank you for doing what you're doing this is great tyler makes pancakes i told you i would get it tyler makes okay pancakes. The yellow book Tyler makes pancakes by okay, Tyler floats <laughs>